it's your own responsibility and duty to triumph over all your issues, no matter what the industry or anybody else throws at you, your peers, anybody. You just do you. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. I want to know what you like or don't like about the podcast. I want to make it yours. You can leave a message by calling 614-636-2240. Again, it's 614-636-2240. Leave me a message and who knows, you might hear yourself on the podcast. Valley McCauley is in the driver's seat today. She has 11 years experience as an auto damage appraiser, and that's not all. She's also iCar Golden Platinum, Local Skills USA estimating judge, and car show judge. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B coming to you, and I have Valley McCauley in the driver's seat today. How you doing, Valley? Hey, Jamie. I'm well. Thank you for having me on. I'm honored to be your guest. And you are bringing a new perspective and a new... I guess I say topic to Femcanic Garage. We haven't explored your profession yet, so I'm excited to share this with the Femcanic community to expand their thoughts around what is possible in the automotive industry. Why don't we get started with learning a little bit about who is Valley? How did you stumble into the automotive industry and a little bit of your background? Well, I was actually raised by two women, um, my grandmother and my mother. They, I'm not going to say they were hardcore feminists, but uh, they, they raised me the best that they could. And so I didn't have very many men really growing up in my life that were just a hardcore staple for me. And uh, I kind of resonate with you when you talked about the, it's, it's in your DNA, so you feel. And my grandfather was a hobbyist and did sprint car racing. Uh, unfortunately he passed away when I was about four months old and I didn't actually get any of that from him, but my mom, uh, was raised by him. And so she's very much a tomboy. Uh, she is a go-getter and a do it all herself. She amazes me every day. Uh, even still to this day she does. And so she taught me what she knew about cars and it was pretty basic oil changes, changing the tires, you know, just making sure I could maintain something as I drove it. And it just kind of blossomed from there. I had a friend of the family that him and his son were both auto damage estimators. They actually worked in and out of the body shops, auto damage and collision repair as far as actually just writing estimates for either independent or uh, insurance companies. So I loved cars and I love the idea of being able to drive around, travel, and then also take photos. And not necessarily is photography extremely important in the auto damage estimating, but it, it can be, especially nowadays we're starting to do so many things virtually. It was 
kind of, you know, that light bulb came on and I thought this is a great way for me to enjoy cars. So at about 16 years old, I realized that's what I wanted to do. And I started planning to go to a small technical school. It was actually called Petty Jean Technical College. And then right before I started, it became University of Arkansas at Moralton. And it was a, it was just a technical school that got a bigger name. And so I took the collision repair program there. I was the only female in a class of 30 guys. And it was definitely a learning experience uh, beyond all kinds of means. You had mentioned that you were the only female in your cohort for your major. Did I hear that right? Yes, yes. What was that like? It was... It wasn't a bad experience at all. I actually really enjoyed it. I've always felt like one of the guys I've had lots of guy friends and they've always accepted me. Uh, even in this class, you know, I mean, they want to play the normal, you know, we're young, we're adolescent pranks and, and, you know, maybe slap you with some body filler dust and leave handprints, not necessarily in inappropriate places, but right, right. It's just that, that adolescence still, you know, you're still young. Most, I did have an array of age range in my class. I can remember some, some of the guys being in their thirties, forties, heck maybe even fifties. And so it was, it was a really big age range. I don't know that I was necessarily the youngest as well as the only female, but I, I really enjoyed it. They never, they never treated me any differently. They, they tried to get in and help me. I learned welding. I learned painting. I learned how to use the frame machine, plasma cutting, torching. I mean, we had to have our own toolbox. It was genuinely like working in a body shop. Uh, so you, when we, when I started, I had a full list of everything that I had to have. And, and, you know, if I didn't have it, then the guys would, you know, would share and, and everybody just, it was almost like a family environment. And even, even my instructor was very open. In fact, I think he was probably a little harder on me than he was them. And maybe it's just, he, you know, he did want to see me excel in it and not just be undermined. And, and, but I probably, we had, I have to reminisce a little bit. We had a advanced painting class and you had to put in so many hours. You weren't actually in a classroom, but you had to put in so many hours in this advanced painting class. And uh, so we painted these panels and I wasn't the greatest at like laying out graphics. So I found some like press on stencils. At, I want to say probably Hobby Lobby or something. And so I was able to spray the panel, let it, let it dry. And then put these stencils down, paint again, and then pull them up. And so I could have like a 2d color. And I remember I wanted to do, again, this is adolescent. I wanted to do the playboy, you know, emblem or, or trademark. And they, they were a little off put by it. They were the, the instructor kind of, you know, gave me that evil eye and kind of was going, are you sure that's the wisest thing that you should do? And I, I'm like, it's art. I'm the only female in here. If anyone's going to be offended, it should be me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's so I mean, and he he allowed it. He did finally allow it. And I I don't. He hung a lot of 
everyone's graphics up. We, cause in that class we did a lot of different things. We got to do fenders and I, I even had friends that were amazing graphic layers, uh, just outside of school and they can't, would come over and help me. I mean, so I've, I've always been surrounded by support and they would come over, help me lay the graphics out and I take it to school the next day. So I had a few panels even hanging in our classroom for, for many years. And I was very, that's, it's very exciting to know that I was not treated any differently. I think sometimes that can be shocking, especially small town, Southern state. A lot of the guys, I don't want to say babied me, but you know, they would kind of baby you that you, I think you become a sister or a sibling type to them. And uh, so I might not have got all of the, all of the hands on that I really probably wanted and needed, but I learned a little bit of everything actually in collision repair. So let me ask this. How old were you when you started school? Uh, let's see. I want to say probably 19 going on to 20. Because as soon as I left high school, I went straight to, to college. To the technical school then? Yes, to the technical school. And that's a hot topic right now because technical seems to be kind of dying on the vine. And it's, it's sad because there's such a deficit in that, in that space right now. You are very correct. And actually, I'm glad that you brought that up too, because I'm a local Skills USA judge for auto damage estimating, and I'm seeing it die in front of my own eyes here in the state. And it's, it's very sad and it's very unfortunate. There's still some high school programs out there. I believe that we are down to like maybe one or two technical colleges in the state. That and which state are you in, Valley? Just so far now? Yes, ma'am. I'm in Arkansas. Arkansas. So very, very rural, very small. We're very spread out, I guess, as far as population and even education in all fields. Got it. So you finished school. What was next? From there, um, I kind of, I, I got out of school. It took me three years. I actually have an Associates of Applied Science and then my certificate in collision repair. I will say that when I step back and, and look at the education that I got, I wish I would have went a little bit further with it, maybe took some actual mechanics, because in my field, we do have to know more than just collision. There are all kinds of different things that customers can claim throughout their, their insurance policy, and you have to be knowledgeable in more than just collision and more than just what's going to happen to the body and the structure of the vehicle. As, so, you, as you write estimates. Can you share with the audience, like, what is your exact title or what is it known as in the industry? It can go a few different ways. My exact title would be automotive damage appraiser or uh, estimator. I refer more so to automotive damage estimator. Mm -hmm. uh, some people confuse estimator and appraiser or more claim handler and appraiser. And I don't, I don't handle the claims. My only job is to actually write the estimate. So you ended up going to school then really to educate yourself on the collision background so that you could be better at doing estimates. Is that yes. right? Yes, correct. And actually, when I started as an estimator, nowhere in my mind did I have the thought that I would have to be 
you know, determining wiring issues or engine issues or tra even transmission issues. Like I, I deal with an array of, of damage and I don't necessarily make the decision on if it's something that an insurance company would pay for, but I do, you know, note the damage and, and see, I have to be educated in it to know how it happened or what could have caused it. To be honest, when I think of collision, I just think of body a lot of times. Right. Yeah. And, and make the assumption that if you're in an accident and your engine and or transmission is damaged, that it's just totaled and it's not even worried about. But that's not the case all the time. That's correct. It's, it's not, it's not the case all the time. And I mean, you could, you could swerve off the road or be hit off of the road and come into contact with a ditch or a culvert, a concrete barrier, and that cause, you know, damage to your engine oil pan. The engine oil comes out everywhere, but your engine still runs. And then you have a burned up engine and possibly a burned up transmission. Uh, you can even have minor collisions where sometimes the transmission oil cooler is built into the AC condenser. Well, right behind your front bumper cover is your AC condenser. And if it gets punctured enough and you continue to drive it, you can have transmission problems. And if it goes onto your radiator and you continue to drive it, you can have, again, an engine burned up. So there, there's many things that can happen in, in a collision that, yeah, could possibly cause damage to your engine and your transmission. Bally, did you ever get pushback around your estimates? Never once have I ever felt a pushback from, from any of my, my peers. I was writing estimates out in the field at 25. I'm petite. I pr probably look 16 to some people. And, you know, I, I did have a little bit more pushback from the outside more so than the inside. A lot of times it was more so not necessarily on collision damage, but when it came down to, I had what we call hydro locks. So basically that is where the engine and it would ingest water is driving through high water the engine ingests it and it hydrolocks, so it locks up the cylinders. You either have a bent or broke rod, and sometimes that'll damage the block. Sometimes it just makes it to where everything stops. And I would have a lot of pushback on those more so than anything when it got real technical and real mechanical. Then, you know, a lot of times too, I deal with a body shop versus a mechanic shop. And there can be a big difference there because not all body shops do like full-blown mechanical work. Most of the time they do minor stuff, you know, AC condensers, radiators, suspension, that array of things where mechanic shops will deal more so with, with wiring issues and, and diagnosis, you know, larger issues, and then also any kind of engine problems. And I mean, I run into sugar in the gas tank or water in the gas tank. Or someone accidentally puts diesel in a gas car or gas in a diesel. and just I see that one being an accident. The other <laughs> one, someone made someone mad. <laughs> right, right. It's, there, there are so many things that auto, auto damage estimators look at. I mean, things that, I mean, I don't think I could see anything now that would just blow my mind. But when I first started, I was just. I was amazed that sugar in the gas tank, I mean, 
it does some damage, but it doesn't do the damage that a mechanic might make you think that it does. <laughs> I have to ask a question, Valley. I'm just piecing all this together and the the breadth of just goes back to what you said where you wish you would have gone and gotten more mechanical education because yeah. it's not just body work or windshields or right. Right. I'm blown away by how much you have to know about a car and not that a part exists, but you also have to understand how it works. Right. That's right. Because if you don't, I mean, not that, not that anyone intentionally will, I would hope not intentionally get over on you, but you do. And you, you want to sound educated, but you can also be taught by that technician too. Cause don't get me wrong. There are a lot of technicians that they can probably tell I'm trying to wrap my mind around, you know, how and why and how it works, how it relates to what I'm already dealing with and that sort of thing. But yes, you're correct. There's, you never stop learning also. I mean, there's so many changes in vehicles. I mean, we have all the pre-collision warning systems, the adaptive cruise control. I, I don't know if anyone knows who Supercar Blondie is. She's all the rage like on Instagram right now, but I was watching a, a car that she was looking at uh, the other day and like all the cameras and stuff that the supercar has on it. And the thing of it is, is supercars are not the only ones with these cameras nowadays. <laughs> you can buy, you know, the, uh, a high end, lower market value vehicle and still have cameras and pre-collision warning stuff. And that's all stuff you have to be educated in. Oh yeah. There is a work for safe light auto glass. We're one of the leading companies that does ADES or calibrations. Right. And people don't realize the forward-facing cameras and how much are in windshields now from sensors to, I mean, it it could blow a person's mind really when you think about it. And we do the calibrations for the recalibrations for all of those. When someone breaks a windshield and it has to be replaced, all that needs to be recalibrated so that that your self-parking still works. <laughs> right, yes. Things like that. And even the lane departures, because it's calibrating multiple cameras, it's not just forward-facing. They all That's have right. to work in unison. Right. And thank God for iCar on all that. I don't know if you've ever taken any iCar classes. Uh, I'm I'm platinum and gold, thank, but thank God for, for them. You have to be educated and all that. Because even for your instance, you have a vehicle comes in, needs a windshield, and you don't know even what to look for to tell if they have the, the pre-collision warning system and you put a windshield on it and send them on their way and then they're in an accident and their pre-collision didn't go off. That's right. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, even sensor, thank goodness for folks like you because you get in these accidents, it's traumatizing anyway, no matter how big or how small. And customers will call in from a chip and like they'll get a crack in their windshield. Yes. And as a consumer, how do you know if it's heated? How do you know if it has moisture sensors on it? Right. A lot of this stuff, you can't even tell even if a VIN number is provided. I know. What we end up having to do is you take both parts. You take both windshields, one with the sensor and or the heat or... And one without. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, hate, I still even struggle sometimes finding it. I mean, there's... I, I have to call, I don't have to call for glass very often, uh, but you know, there are cases that of course they get damaged 
uh, in a collision and yeah, I'll have the lady on the other line going, okay, does it have this, 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 or this? And I'm looking at my car going, well, and you're a trained eye. Yeah, you're right. a trained eye, not alone, just an everyday consumer. Yeah, yeah, it can it can be hard, and because well, that's the thing too is every man manufacturer makes theirs just a little bit different, and so you have to sometimes really investigate the vehicle. You know, sometimes you even have to get in and look for the buttons and the sensors themselves to to know. So yeah, I'm just a little curious when you started in this career you have to know a lot about cars, a lot. Talk a little bit about it where you're met with some resistance. Do right. you, did you feel that you were challenged more than anyone else because you were a female? Maybe a little, but I think I was more so, I think I was more so probably challenged myself because when I got out there, I did not realize I did. When I've talked to a few technical schools again. I like to go back and, and discuss it with them. And I like to give them a different point of view and realize that you, if this is something that you are devout and wanting to do, grab every aspect that you can. So I think if anything, I it was a challenge more in myself and that I, I didn't realize how much I needed to know. I'm just going to say, thank God for my peers. I, honestly, my coworkers, I can't tell you how many times a day I would sometimes call in the very beginning. I'd say it took me about five years to become confident. And I mean, there's still days and especially with stuff coming out that I, I still go, I want a second opinion on this. And, you know, I can pick up, pick up the phone, call one of my peers, maybe send them a photo or two and, and get their opinion. So. I think it's just, I, I think it's great to not have that pushback and to, for everybody just to support each other. I, I think that's so well said. You can't say enough about peers and helping each other and that it's okay to not know. Sometimes I feel as females in a male-dominated industry that we have to be 10 times better or 10 times more on our toes or no 10 times more. Because we we feel that we're challenged constantly. Right, right. You feel like you need to be even better than the male standing next to you just just because. it's. I, I think it's just how we're structured. You know, I think that in some small way, we're scared because we do want to be seen as equal mm-hmm. to, to any gender. I also feel, you know, that it's, it's just one of those things that we tend to do to ourselves. We, it's a matter of, you want to be confident. And because when you are confident, you do a better job because it's sometimes it's not even about the feel when you do a better job, you can take better care of say that customer for my, for instance, for me, you know, I take better care of that customer and whether that's an internal customer or an external customer, body shops are still my customers. You know, I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. want to show up to a body shop or a mechanic shop and end up in a fight because they don't like how I wrote the estimate. And I mean, the same thing with a, with a customer. I wish customers were educated a little bit more in their vehicle and in how process works sometimes. Can you give high level process? What I tend to run into is the customer has gone and gotten an estimate from a body shop and I write an estimate based off of, I would say 
maybe policy or the parts that I'm allowed to figure per the company. And not that the body shops ever try to do anything intentionally to start issues or start a conflict between the customer and say the insurance company or auto damage estimator. I like to try and when I write the estimate, explain to the customer the estimate front to back. And I feel like that's really important. And I see sometimes that people get frustrated because they don't understand the process and they don't understand that how it's written from the body shop versus how it's written, say, possibly from the insurance company or independent appraiser. I wish people would maybe take more time, whether you're a body shop or an auto damage estimator with the customer to try and explain that, you know, I mean, if the front bumper needs to be repaired versus replaced, explain that to the customer, explain why you feel that way or what you see in it. And even sometimes explaining technique to the customer, there's plastic welders out there. There's shops that use plastic welders like crazy. And then there's some shops and it probably happens more to me that some shops, they don't even have one yet. But if you explain to the customer, I'm writing it like this because this is what I see or this is what I feel. I would say it's a matter of opinion or judgment. We, we use the word judgment or judgment call. You could have five estimators all write an estimate on the same vehicle and we all write it differently because it's a matter of a judgment or a matter of an opinion. If the customer and the estimator will spend time with each other trying to understand or trying to help that customer understand their estimate, I think that it would make everybody, you know, more attached and more understanding to the situation. Customers are just, they're hurt. They're, they want their car back to that condition that it was before they were in the accident, you know, and, and they really, they just really want to be understood and they want to be heard and that Mm -hmm. connection needs to happen. And often question whether it will ever get back to the previous condition. So there's a lot of trust there too. Yeah. And I mean, and a lot of that can depend on the repair facility and, and that's, that's up to the customer. Everybody has their role to play. Absolutely. So that's the high level process. You've been doing this for how many years now? I've been writing estimates for 11, 11 to 12. And you said previously it took a solid five years to get to a point where you felt pretty confident. Yes, to where I wasn't making a phone call probably daily (laughs) to my peer going, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say a good solid five years. And, and, you know, I mean, there's still days that I end up with a rodent chewed on a wire and we got this, that, everything else going on. And I'm just going, what could it be? Or what do I need to look for? Or does this sound, what the technician's telling me, does this sound right? You know, I mean, I'm not necessarily the greatest at electrical. I did learn some of it in, in college in my technical school, but until you actually start using it, sometimes you don't remember it. Yeah. Use it or lose it type thing. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's definitely, that's not one of those things we deal with on a daily basis. You know, I mean, it kind of all goes back to the hydro lock. You know, I, I don't look at hydro locks every day. I mean, we've had a lot of rain this year and we've had a lot of flooding in the area. And so you know, I've looked at a decent amount and it just brings that, you know, right back to you or even just doesn't even have to have 
water in the engine to have flood damage. You know, I mean, water gets inside the vehicle and your airbag modules and, and even all kinds of other modules really are on the floor under the center console and pull out the carpet and clean those connectors. And sometimes it damages modules. There's kind of two customers if, if I'm hearing you right. One, one is the shop and one is the consumer. In a way, yeah. I guess I say it like this is sometimes I meet with the shop, whether it's a mechanic shop or a body shop, and sometimes I meet with the customer. Customer is then taking the estimate that I provide and going to whatever type of shop it needs. It can go to a mechanic shop, depending. It can go to a body shop, depending. But then I also, I have what, what I call internal customers or the, that work within the same company as me. I might have to answer questions in order for a claim handler to make a decision. If you, with your experience, what is advice to other shop owners when working with estimators or appraisers? I think just have a clear view of communication. I feel like I've always had that. Most shops we can negotiate. I mean, there's... But if I'm a shop owner listening to this and I'm thinking, okay, communication, it's high level. Like, what does that look like though? I would say it looks like you're looking at the damage and taking it all in. And, you know, say the body shop feels like it needs extra couple of hours. And as I feel like as long as everybody's being reasonable, like seriously talking to each other, then how it works. That's it's, it's just, it's truly transparent. You can have a conversation. You can talk to each other. You can sit there and have a conversation, something about other than the vehicle, but still know that at the end of the day, both have a job to do and you're both there to try and take care of the customer. And I feel like seriously, just being able to talk and not getting upset about the idea that the other one has. Being open. Yeah. Just seriously being transparent with each other. And I have no problems listening to what a technician is telling me. And as long as they're being reasonable, they're not getting upset or yelling, which I very, very, very rarely has that ever happened to me. And I'm not going to say that I shut down, but I just try to stop, listen to what they have to say, and hopefully be able to reciprocate or to send off what I am seeing and then just move forward from there. And like, I mean, you can, to me, you can find a happy medium when it comes to working with each other. I'm, I guess I'm just really blessed. I try to be very open-minded. I try to negotiate and I try to take in what they have to say and, and, and go from there. And I just, I don't have a lot of conflict with shops. I really, really don't. And I mean, there's some shops that I mean, they're they're dead set in their ways. They've been doing it for a long time and you have to respect that they have been doing it a long time and you feel like they're doing it right. So I enjoy almost every body shop that I, I deal with or that I work with. And I enjoy even going in and seeing their work, you know, seeing, seeing the process itself. Cause sometimes I only get to see the collision right there. And, and then sometimes I get to go back after it's torn down you know, maybe supplement the estimate. But most of the time, you know, I, I get that, that very first damage and, and that's it. So I, I enjoy going in and, 
and being able to see what all they're, they're working on. And cause there's always something new, you know, ever, not every wreck is the same. And I mean, even if it's not my customer's vehicle and it's something that's being worked on in their shop, I love to discuss it. I love to talk about it and I love to see what they're, what they're doing with it. And I've had shops ask me my opinion on things and, and I've asked shops their opinion on things. And I feel like we're all, we're all in it together, shops and auto damage estimators. And I think we all want to do what's, what's best. It's a community. It is. I love it. What would, what would be your best advice to the consumer in working with and communicating with estimators and appraisers? I would say be open-minded. Try to understand and respect that most of the time that damage estimator has been doing their job a long time, no matter what their gender is. I mean, I get it. Sometimes we're green. We're we're just out of, you know, maybe some kind of training. Um, we're constantly learning, but I feel like for the most part, we're all pretty educated in what we do and just, just take us in, just listen to us and try to let us help you understand what your car has been through and ask questions. I don't see that there's anything wrong with asking questions if you want to understand. And I feel like, as an estimator, it's my job to try and educate you. And I mean, some people, you know, they might not, they just want it fixed. It's fine. They don't, they don't, they don't want to hear my, you know, my crazy antics about how I know that the frame is over because the gaps are off between the hood and the fenders, you know, I mean, so, and that's okay, you know, but as long as, again, I think it's just a matter of being as transparent as you can be and communicating and try to create good customer service for that customer, make that customer feel like you care about them. And I just, I want to educate them. I want to educate everybody. I, I love being a part of, of this community. I love learning. I love educating and I would love to pick up some young kid right out of tech school and, and help them in any way that I can. Cause you know, a lot of times as an auto damage estimator, you're, you're looking at the vehicle. You don't get to, to do that really maybe tech stuff that hands-on that you might want to do, but you get to, you look at it and you have to make decisions based on looking at the vehicle and knowing certain indicators and maybe even looking past that first panel that you see, trying to decide what damage could possibly be behind it. I love your passion for it. And that's one of the main reasons why I invited you as a guest on this show. And Valley, I think we are ready to launch into the red line round. Are you ready for this? I am beyond ready. There's no right or wrong answer. It's whatever pops into your head. They're just five rapid fire questions. Okay. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? This guy is like a second, well, I guess only brother to me, seeing how my only child. He was one of the guys that inspired me when I was 16. Uh, his name is Leland. Uh, he, anytime, anytime I need something, I'll call him. Uh, he has not necessarily always been my go-to, but he has worked in the insurance industry and in the body shop industry, and he can give me any kind of aspect. He's 
he is about, let's see, I don't know how many years he's been in the business, but he's just a really, really good friend to me. And he's, he's been there the whole time and he's been like a brother to me. Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck on a job? I would say my peers first and then go from there. Uh, I guess, thank God for the internet. And, but you know, I will say I hardly ever go to the internet for things. Most of the time I call a peer that has more experience and more time in than me. What excites you most about what you do, Valley? Oh gosh, cars, <laughs> getting to look at a different car every day and not that they're exciting. Uh, you know, I mean that 07 Honda Accord isn't, you know, the, the Bugatti, you know, that's driving down the street, but to me, they're all the same. You know, I mean, it's a car that I, they all have their own, I don't know. I hate to say personality because people are going to think I'm crazy, but I just, I love looking at cars. Like you could leave the people out of it. You could leave everything out of it. And I just want to spend the time with the car. I could, I could lay underneath the car and just absorb everything or be under the hood and absorb everything. I just love it. You even have a Playgirl car as well, right? I do. Yes. My 91 Mustang GT, my, their Fox body. Uh, and, uh, it is a five speed. I am about two years into learning how to drive a manual that my husband oh so graciously has taught me how to drive. And he has done an amazing job teaching me and I'm very, very blessed to have him, but yes, it's, he helps me a lot. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm petite little thing. So breaking over a lug nut to even change a tire is actually really pathetic for me. So <laughs> leverage have, my friend leverage. Yes. <laughs> I have no strength whatsoever. So he helps me quite a bit and he actually, I, I work pretty much full time and he's always been in a position to where he could go up and down, you know, with, with his schedule. And we saw this car and I said, babe, I really, really want this car. You know, I've been looking for one for years. We finally have the money and will you please go look at it? And I said, and you know, I'm going to be picky. It's black, but I really need you to look at more so the structure because one, everybody loves to drag race the Fox body and they're notorious for twisting and wrecking because they're fast and they're just little, you know, little race cars. So he did an amazing job. He went without me. Uh, he wheeled and dealed it all and he brought it, he brought it home to me because I could not drive a standard yet. <laughs> You're probably the toughest person to sell a car, a used car to. <laughs> oh gosh, you have no idea. It's, it's, my husband actually hates to go with me and I don't even know why he goes. Cause he's like, I don't even know. He, he goes, you know what to look for. I'm just here to BS them into giving you a lower price. And it, you know, it's just, but yeah, I am, I'm, I'm a pain in the butt actually with any, have part. you blown people away? Like salesmen, you go in there and you're like this, this, and this, and this. Oh, well, sometimes. Yeah. Cause they look at me like, uh, they're probably just thinking I'm the biggest bee in the world. You know, <laughs> I really don't care. I don't. So, and that's why I, that was probably why I let him go. You just by. know your stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I, that's probably why I let my husband go buy the Mustang because I figured I would probably pick it apart. And it's actually, it's really humorous because it's under the carport. And so 
the carport door is the main one we use. Well, again, like I said, the car is black. So, you know, if you so much as look at it improperly, you'll scratch it. <laughs> and so we have friends over all the time and I'll step outside and they'll be leaning against my car. I actually just did it to, uh, one of our very good friends. I come out and he's leaning against the car and I said, are you leaning on my car? And he was like, well, there's no buttons on my back pockets. I said, I don't care if there are or not. It's black. And if you look at it wrong, <laughs> you're going to scratch it. Please get <laughs> off my car. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be mean, but yeah, we're going to have to probably move it out from underneath the carport. So. <laughs> <laughs> what is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? I would say that I just try to depend on myself and it's it's probably a horrible thing and a good thing all at the same time. I've always been one to say that no one cares about you more than you. And that can sound harsh, but the reality is, is if you want something, you, you get it, you go work for it. I told you before, I love the saying gold digger. Uh, I, I just, your responsibility, it's your own responsibility and duty to triumph over all your, all your issues, uh, no matter what the industry or anybody else throws at you, your peers, anybody, you just do you. And it takes, sometimes it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of frustration. I, I can remember a couple years into writing estimates, going to my manager and just being like, I don't, I really don't know if this is for me. I'm, I really didn't think I was going to make it. And he told me, he goes, you're going to have to make that decision. I can't make it for you. And I think a lot of that was, I thought I knew more than what I did. And I think that my company, when they hired me on as an estimator, thought I knew more than what I did as well. And then once you get out there in the real world, it can be, it can be drastically different from being in a technical school. So just, just go, just fight any, you know, if you need help, then reach out, reach out to anybody that you trust and that gives you that support. Finally, Valley, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades industry? I would say reach out to each other. We're, you know, we're all in this together. We've all had our own little struggles and I think we're a bigger calling than what we realize. And maybe we're all hidden, you know, maybe we're just hiding in the cracks, doing our own thing, maybe a little scared to reach out to each other, but I say, let's just, let's do it. You know, if you need help, pick up the phone, call each other, bounce ideas off of each other use, use each other for resources, even if it's not just on a normal, you know, a normal troubleshooting thing that you're running into. If you need to know, you know, if you need to help practice for your ASC test, or if you need to help, you know, know where to go for ICAR or any of the things that can, can help educate you a little bit more, like minor stuff can be major. So reach out to each other. Where and how can people connect with you, Valley? Um, I have two Instagram accounts. One is my my toy. Uh, it's Dark Horse ninety one, and it's D R K H O R S E, and then ninety one. 
And then you can get my personal at V Macaulay, which is M-C-C-O-L-L-E-Y 83. Valley, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today. It is my pleasure, Jamie. It is. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and I can't wait for you to throw that car show and I'm going to do my best to try and come and maybe I can uh, judge for you while I'm there. <laughs> that would be a riot and we we can go have a, well, I'll go have a cocktail. I don't know. If I'll drink, I, yeah, I drink cocktails, I drink coffee, <laughs> whatever you want to get. Yes. We'll go have a cocktail together <laughs> and talk cars. <laughs> Sounds amazing. My name is Bally McCauley. I'm an auto damage estimator and I am a Femcanic. In the next episode, Amanda Cassad is in the driver's seat. She is a heavy diesel mechanic working on 18-wheelers. She shares how she went from paralyzed to recovery on to becoming a heavy diesel mechanic. You won't want to miss this inspiring story. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a Femcanic?